Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Worldline Full Year 2022 Resource <coughs> Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 and 1 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising your hand is raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 1 and 1 again. Please be advised that today's conference has been recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Worldline CEO, Jill Gapine. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. This is Jill speaking. Thank you for attending today's Worldline Conf Call on our full year 22 results. I will start this presentation as usual, providing you with some key highlights of the year. Then Marc Henry, our deputy CEO, will make a deep dive, as we usually do now on the merchant services dynamics. And hereafter, Gregory, our group CFO, will present you in detail our results before a wrap up myself for the conclusion before the Q&A section. So let me start by stating that we are genuinely satisfied with this strong year 22 that fully illustrates the complete execution of our worldline roadmap towards our midterm ambition. And this, despite the volatile and challenging macro context we have to face, like many companies. I will deep dive just after on these cornerstones of 22. But in a nutshell, we have achieved or exceeded all our guidance parameters and make significant progresses regarding our CSR roadmap. We have delivered a very solid commercial performance with numerous contract wins within all our GBLs and increased again our merchant count while benefiting from a steady acquiring volume growth. And we've been very successful also on all our strategic initiatives with three closing and integration started, three new acquisitions, and two disposals executed in parallel in 22. All these taken into consideration, we believe that this year 22, as the year one of our new three-year plan, is a very strong pillar in the execution of our strategic roadmap that evolves as per plan. Hence, we fully reiterate our 2024 objectives. Now turning to our full year 22 results, and despite some unexpected global and geopolitical headwinds when we started the year, we have reached, as I mentioned, or exceeded all the financial targets of the full year guidance. Regarding the organic revenue growth, we have delivered an organic performance at 10.7%, fueled by a steady growth all along the year, as planned, and in particular, we posted a 14% growth for our merchant services activities now anchored in the double-digit territory. This strong growth-delivering operating leverage, coupled with the full execution of our synergy plans, allowed us to improve by 110 basis points our OMDA margin to reach 26%, while absorbing two major headwinds this year not planned in our budget with the stop of our Russian online corridor and the impact of extra inflation on costs. Last, we've been able to deliver an OMDA to free cash flow conversion of circa 46%, slightly above our initial expectation of circa 45%. Moving to CSR, I have the pleasure to report that 22 has not only been a full execution of our financial guidance, but as well a strong delivery in all our extra financial targets, putting Worldline well on track for our trust 25 ambition. Certainly, the best way to assess it is to look at some of our 2022 ratings, recognizing this high-level CSR performance. Warline continues its momentum with excellent ratings delivered by leading independent firms. Maybe some to mention among others are our 2022 VJO's rating, which is three points higher than last year, and puts Warline in the fourth position in its industry on top of 82 competing companies rated, or the DGSI rating, where Warline gained again this year four points compared to 21. And last, Warline being absolutely focused to be a super attractive workplace, is very proud to have been recognized as top employer in Europe and Asia for 23 
by the Top Employer Institute, recognizing excellence in people management, and also a great place to work in 21 countries in 22, which is a recognition delivered, as you know, by the Great Place to Work organization. Now I would like to pursue this morning call by flagging some of the key deals we won in 22, and that we believe, beyond the turnover they will bring to the company, illustrate in particular the competitive benefits of the combination of Warline and Ingenico halfway of the full integration program. Regarding merchant services, certainly one of the largest deals we have ever signed in merchant services is our new contract with Lufthansa, third largest global airline. It is exemplary of the success of our vertical differentiation strategy, one of the basis of our e-commerce value proposition in digital commerce. Moving also in MS to a very different market segment with an innovative leader in domestic retail, the flagship win this time is with Monoprix, which is a testimony of the strength of our full omnichannel acceptance offerings. Moving to financial services, I want to spend one minute to highlight the new contract we are very proud to have signed with the ING Group. This 10 years triple-digit contract is, to our knowledge, a real first in the European payment processing industry, which is traditionally used to sign such issuing card processing deals on a single country basis. Even for very large banking groups, having numerous countries of retail banking activities. The breakthrough here is that Worldline and ING have signed a single contract where our group will be the unique processing partner of ING in multiple geographies and where our central platform will process all ING cards, domestic and international, debit and credit alike. Last, on mobility and e-transactional services, it is our ability to develop and operate a single mobility app based on our mobility marketplace solution that has been key for West England Combined Authority, WICA, for choosing us, in particular with our proven ability to combine in one only solution the booking, the ticketing, and the payment feature for their customers. Moving forward, on the strategic initiative side, as you have seen following us all along the year, we have been a very busy but successful year 22. First, we have fully executed the closing and integration of Accepta in Italy, ANZ in Australia, and Eurobank in Greece, that you know well. These three assets represent for us new countries and new distribution channels with our partner banks, and all this is starting very well. In parallel, we have successfully enriched the worldwide value proposition with three new acquisitions. As committed one year ago, we have started to diversify our M&A strategy towards companies owning technology or payment solutions, which could complement our portfolio and accelerate our innovation roadmap. We made two acquisitions in that space, the first one with SoftPoss, increasing our merchant value proposition, in particular towards micro merchants, with a pay-on-mobile Android-based solution. The second one is with OPP, online payment platform, which is providing us now with a very strong marketplace solution, tailor-made in particular for P2P businesses and the circular economy that is set to grow extremely fast in the coming years. We have, as well, announced the acquisition of the merchant acquiring activities of Banco Desio in Italy, reinforcing here our already successful start of Italian operations. Last, but certainly not least, we have completed the sale of the TSS activities, the former payment terminal activities inherited from Ingenico, allowing us to very significantly deleverage our balance sheet and to simplify our group structure. Then we have finalized a small divestment with the sale of the NETS LATAM activities, this activity being seen as subscale for a group, far from payment, and without synergies with the rest of the NETS operations. So, to conclude my first part, I would like to highlight that 22 
is a very solid start, we think, of our three-year plan that we fully confirm today, with the ambition to deliver, as you know, 9 to 11% revenue cargo growth over the period 22-24 to reach circa 5.2 billion revenues by then, to improve our OMDA margin by more than 400 basis points to reach circa 1.5 billion euros of OMDA, and to generate an OMDA conversion to free cash flow of circa 50% by 24. And in parallel, we, of course, will focus to make M&A an important priority in the coming two years. Marco Cori will now take the floor to guide you through the operational achievements and commercial dynamics of our powerful merchant services division. Marco Cori, floor is yours. Thank you, Gilles, and good morning to you all. I'm very pleased to take the floor and to guide you through this part of today's presentation, zooming on our key operational achievements and very satisfactory merchant services business market performance in 2022. Before commenting the commercial business dynamics and KPIs, I will start with the operational achievements on both integration, innovation, and products, each of them being the foundations of the solid performance we have today. Before starting, I would like to remind you of our strategic approach. We build the best comprehensive payment stack by combining progressively the best assets of all our acquisitions, connecting them, and migrating our volumes to reach scale, efficiency, and the best product features. At the end of our three-year plan, we will have largely completed this program, but we can already see major benefits from its first achievements. 2022 has been indeed a year of full delivery on both integration and innovation and products. Um, 2022 was, in particular, the fourth and last year of six payment services integration plan, the peak of investments of the Ingenico integration, coupled with significant development on the product side. Starting with our integration path, all six payment services synergies are now delivered and fully completed, as of end 2022. It represents overall north of 110 million euros of synergies executed in four years, and it's a great achievement, fully in line with our plans. Ingenico integration is solidly on track. Our target platform is fully live, and we pursued migrating our merchants on it during the year, and we now have the majority of our merchants supported on this platform. Last, on the most recent acquisitions, Integration are fully in line with the plan uh, with Andersbank and Merchant Migration, fully completed, and currently ongoing on Accepta and Eurobank. On INZ, our domestic front-end portal is now up and running with first transaction live since September 2022. Coupled to our integration program providing the most lean and efficient tech layer, we continue to invest, adding innovation and products, enriching further worldwide value proposition. The key ones to highlight in 2022 are the full connection of our acceptance and acquiring platform, allowing us to leverage existing acceptance merchant towards a full end-to-end offering, the completion of soft integration and OPP closing, allowing us to expand on new market segments such as micro-merchant and online marketplaces, the rollout across all our countries of a systematic and assisted onboarding tools for merchants supported by newly dedicated one-web interface. In 2022, we have delivered for Angelico and six payment services integration, 60 million synergies as expected, and we reinvested circa 7% of our revenues in CapEx to sustain future growth. Going forward, in 2023, we expect to deliver an additional 40 million of synergies for integration of Ingenico only, as already announced, and to pursue our investment effort in between 5 to 7% of revenues in line with our midterm target. Now, deep diving on MS Dynamics with Merchant KPIs. First, this is the data we provided to you in a full year 2021 publication. You can see here that our merchant base includes a pro forma basis since December 2020, Proforma basis adding Accepta Italy and Andersbank and Merchants to have a comprehensive and comparable view. In 2022, we have onboarded circa 85,000 new merchants, pushing our merchant base at the end of 2022 at 1.25 million merchants. It represents a very satisfactory growth of Warland acquiring merchant base versus 2021. Actually, we are 
40% above our target to onboard 60,000 new merchants per year. It's a great achievement in the acquisition of Ingenico and fully illustrates that we have, that what we have built through our strategic approach based on distribution partnership with banks and direct sales channel. Since 2020, date of Ingenico integration, we have grown our merchant base by more than 200,000 merchants on a 9% CAGR with a solid dynamic both in-store in and online. Coming to the Q4 significant merchant wins and upsells, I must say they reflect the relevance of our solution and the success of our orchestration strategy based on the solid product offering. Let us start with the in-store and omnichannel wins and upsell. Our à la carte acquiring solution has been key in the upselling contract signed with Maison du Monde, providing to the merchant an adaptation. Adapt mix between warline acquiring and local acquirers coupled, coupled with a full in-store acceptance solution. I believe we have now that we have now the best and most competitive offer on the European market for demanding high-volume retailers. We enjoy a good dynamic as well on both new wins and upsell based uh, on a one-stop shop solution, including acceptance and acquiring for traditional shops and uh, unattended solutions. It has been the main differentiating product for SSP, Dover, or Dufree. This customer needs a simple, unified commerce solution, and here again, we could, be the, we could beat the best international players who were tendering against us. Last, our omnichannel offering that combines e-com, mobile, and in-store all-in-one solution has made a difference for SystemU, Olympia, Wigo, or ERAM. Now, regarding our online cross-border wins and upsell, as for the Lufthansa win we have announced in Q3, our unique travel hub solution made the difference for Wither and Swissair, providing to be and proving to be a winner uh, on the uh, airlines vertical. The development of corridor strategy uh, to give access to local payment means has been key for the win of online game platform Voidu, one of our very strong verticals as well. And that we have increased our share of wallets with Zoom Marketplace based on our payment performance analysis solution, allowing them to select the relevant payment methods to improve their conversion rates. All these examples, with all these examples, you can see that our commercial dynamic is strongly driven by our product portfolio with dedicated verticalization approach. It remains a key success and differentiating factor that we will develop further through a continuous investment in innovation and R&D. To conclude my part, let us come back to some business data points. All our actions to expand our merchant base have contributed to a double-digit uh, merchant service volume growth during the fourth quarter and the full year 2022. In 2022, Warline Own Acquiring MSV has increased by 22% versus 2021 to reach circa 320 billion euros, which represents a strong performance in our addressable European acquiring market. We believe it illustrates our capacity to continue to gain market share in both in-store and online, with respective MSV growing at circa 21 and circa 27% versus 2021. For information, our four-year MSV is organically up 29% versus 2019. Then, as you can see with the pink curve in the chart, we continue to see a solid dynamic at the beginning of 2023 with a steady trend in MSV expansion fueled by both in-store and online volumes with a double-digit growth trend without any noticeable recession impact. Now I will give the floor to Gregory to present you our financial performance in more details. Thank you, Marc-Henri, and good morning, everyone. Delighted to be presenting this very good set of numbers for the full year 22. In 22, we posted revenues of 4.4 billion with organic growth of 10.7%, comfortably above guidance, fueled by the now established MS engine that represents almost three quarters of worldline revenues. On profitability, our OMDA now stands at 1.1 billion, i.e. 26% margin, or 110 basis points improvement versus 21. This performance in an adverse macro context comes from our ability to deliver expected synergies on top of operating leverage generated thanks to the steady growth profile demonstrated during the year. 
Finally, free cash flow stood at 520 million euros, again, well above guidance, with conversion close to 46% versus the 45% commitment. In terms of earnings, normalized net income group share reached 545 million, representing 12.5% of revenues, equivalent to a normalized debut to DPS of 1.53 per share, up 23%. Turning to GBL growth performance, Q4 was our biggest quarter with 1.2 billion revenues, or 8.3% organic growth. MS remains well anchored in double-digit growth territory, with an organic performance of 10.3% in Q4, driven by very strong double-digit growth in commercial acquiring, plus a solid performance of our acceptance activities despite the Russian sanctions in February 2022. Financial services was up 2.9% as expected, still impacted during the quarter by last, the last month of equine contract price negotiation. Finally, on METS, revenues are up 7% in Q4, driven by good dynamic on e-ticketing. This translates into the full-year performance presented before of 10.7% organic growth, with MS up 14%, FS at 2.5, and METS at 7.3. Let me go through revenue building blocks for the full-year 22. I'd like to illustrate the underlying performance of our activities during a year in which we've been impacted by two specific situations, mainly on MS activities. First, a massive headwind with the stop of our Russian online corridor at the end of February 22. And second, a positive effect for inflation, impacting a bit less than half of MS revenues. Overall, you can see that the strong dynamic in MS activities have been able to more than absorb impact from the current geo and macro situation, while FS and METS have been quite immune. Now, moving to the next slide on OMDA performance. During 2022, Worldline's OMDA reached 1.1 billion euros, or 26% OMDA margin, equivalent to 110 basis point improvement versus last year. It's been achieved entirely on the merchant services side through A, synergies from past acquisitions, and B, very powerful operating leverage of the new MS, which allowed absorb, absorbing cost inflation. On the FS and MTS side, OMD margins were slower to adapt given the mostly fixed price structure in an inflationary environment, and also suffered from the now well-known equence worldline price decrease in FS. Let me now give you a bit more color on margin development and the power of the worldline story going forward. In this bridge, we wanted to show you what a core business underlying performance looks like, essentially stripping out the macro headwinds mentioned earlier, namely how Russian sanctions and inflationary pressures affected our margins. Here, you can see that in 2022, the strong organic performance of our activities has generated an underlying margin improvement of 230 basis points to reach 27.1%, mainly driven by merchant services. That performance was more than enough to absorb 30 basis points from the stop of our Russian online corridor, as well as 90 basis points from stronger inflation. Overall, in 2022, with 110 basis point margin improvement while absorbing 120 basis point headwinds, our group performance clearly highlights the virtuous combination of solid growth operating leverage, and synergies execution. Now moving from the OMDA to other elements in the income statements. Non-recurring items reached 529 million and consisted of purchase price allocation uh, amortization for 238 million, mostly linked to the Ingenico acquisition and the 2022 additions to the scope. Integration costs of 192 million, reflecting the peak year of Ingenico integration, and the added cost related to the newly acquired companies, mainly Accepta, ANZ, and Eurobank. Last, these costs include a non-cash effect of 47 million related to effects accounting on the disposal of NETS Leighton. As a result, operating income for 22 was 335 million. 
Net financial expense is stable versus last year, 41 million, and it's a combination of a stable net financial expense and a positive effect of the disposal of visa shares in 22 for 40 million euros, offset by a negative effect and hyperinflation effect of 36 million. The tax charge was 79 million euros with a normative effective tax rate of 23.5% in 22, consistent with our objective to maintain the four-year rate close to 21 level, which was 24% as a reminder. As a result of the items above, and including an 88 million contribution from discontinued operations, consolidated net income group share stood at 299 million euros. Normalized net income stood at 545 million euros as a result, or 12.5% of revenues, with a 23% improvement of EPS at 1.88 compared to 1.53 in 21. Moving on to the cash flow statement, main parameters of our cash flow generations are CapEx at 325 million euros, or 7.4% of revenues, fully in line with our investment phasing, since this year we have significantly invested in our products, and supported large investments in new integrations. Second point is changing working capital, which brought the positive contribution of 100 million euros. And finally, integration costs of 192 million, which were fully in line with our expectations, reflecting the peak investment in Ingenico, coupled with most recent acquisitions. Overall, full year free cash flow of 520 million represents close to 46% cash conversion, supporting our midterm trajectory to reach 50% in 2024. Overall, a very strong achievement reflecting our ability to deliver synergies while optimizing implementation costs, as well as a strict cash management policy. Let's now look at the net debt evolution over the year. In 22, we delivered by 900 million euros through three main drivers. Number one, the 520 million free cash flow we just mentioned. Number two, 300 million from the TSS disposal proceeds minus new M&A consideration. And number three, more than 100 million from the disposal of visa shares towards the end of the year. At the end of the year, our net debt stood at 2.2 billion euros, or 1.9 times OMDA. Including the additional proceeds from TSS received on January 1st, 300 million, leverage stands at 1.7 times, well in line with our expectations, thus strengthening a strong investment-grade credit rating. This is a very differentiating element in the European landscape at a time when asset consolidation is underway and valuations have softened. Now on the performer. I wanted to highlight the change of scope related to 2022 acquisitions and disposals and the impact of the TSS carve-out to give you a comprehensive view of our 2023 starting point. In essence, what we have here is, first, an external scope effect, including the acquisition of SoftBoss, of Eurobank, and the NZ, and the disposal of METS later. Second, the effects related to the TSS carve-out, which can be split in two components of similar magnitude. Number one, the transfer of pure terminal buying customers, now handled by TSS, since they do not buy payment solutions. And number two, the price impact of the new purchase agreement signed with TSS relating to terminals. As a result, our 2022 baseline is $4,386,000,000 in revenues and an OMDA margin at 25.4%. In the appendix of this presentation, in order for you to have a good sense of how 23 will look like, I also provided the quarter-by-quarter quarter detail for GBL which you will also find in the press release. Finally, our 2023 guidance. With the very satisfactory performance of 2022, we are very confident in our ability to deliver 8 to 10% organic revenue growth, an OMD margin improvement above 100 basis points, and finally, an OMD conversion rate into free cash flow between 46 and 48%. 
This 2023 guidance is fully in line with the trajectory of our three-year plan, which we clearly confirm. Now let me hand over to Gilles for our conclusion. Many thanks, Gregory. And indeed, three points to conclude before opening the Q&A. First, my personal reading. My personal reading of all these achievements that I want to share with you actually is very simple. Our strategy just works and works every year better. In 2022, Warman has really started to harvest visibly the strong and structural competitive and financial benefits of our integration with Ingenico retail. Indeed, in 21, due to the many pandemic-related restrictions in some core countries of our group, and also due to the fact that we were just starting to integrate, some of these business benefits were probably less easy to read. But in 22, what you can see through this release is a much stronger merchant services business, enjoying the market benefits of its very unique portfolio and really starting to get the competitive edge of our more integrated acceptance and acquiring platforms. And this is only the start, as we are only halfway through our four-year integration plan with still many benefits to come. My second point is to share very transparently with you our four key priorities for 23. First, we will sustain our growth momentum and our strategy to gain market shares, leveraging our improved competitive positioning I have just mentioned as we progress further on our Ingenico integration roadmap. Second priority will be to improve our operating leverage, benefiting from the combination of steady growth, integration benefit, and further scale effect. Third, we will focus on strictly executing our investment on our product and innovation roadmap to pursue constantly enriching and differentiating our lives. Fourth priority, no surprise here, will be to pursue actively market consolidation opportunities, in particular with a priority given to expand further our distribution channels. To conclude, I want to share with you that as a management team, we really feel that 22 has been a year of fundamental progresses which is a key stepping stone for the pursuit of our three-year plan. And we fully acknowledge that there are numerous macroeconomic uncertainties around the target develop in 23. But nonetheless, as Greg said, as a team, we feel really confident to deliver both our 2023 guidance and our midterm objectives, making Worldline a premium global petec. Thank you very much for your attention. And I am now ready with Mark Henry and Greg to take your questions. Thank you. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 and 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1 and 1 again. That is star 1 and 1 to ask a question. We will now go to our first question. One moment, please. And your first question comes from the line of Alistair Nolan from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead, your line is open. Great, thank you. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, maybe you could just, uh, in terms of the 2023 guidance, give us a little bit of a feel for what uh, assumptions are underpinning the possibility of the top end versus the bottom end. And in particular, you could comment on kind of impact from maybe scheme fees, which were a tailwind in, in 22. Uh, and also potentially China reopening. Um, so maybe that's that's my first question. Thank you. Hello, Alastair. Uh, Gilles speaking here. Well, clearly, I mean, it is a bit too soon uh, to state where we could end between the 8 to 10% that we flag. Definitely, you will rightly pinpoint, I think, one of the components on which we have at this moment in time low visibility, the China reopening and the comeback in number of Chinese tourists or business travelers to European territories. We understand from first discussion with airlines and hospitality companies that it seems that definitely there is also a type of Chinese revenge travel uh, readying itself from China. Uh, Chinese citizens have been, as we all know, 
deprived for the possibility to travel circa, for circa three years now. So this could definitely impact uh, our ability of uh, MS in this vertical to score more or less, depending when it really happens. Uh, directionally, it will happen. The question is to know if it starts very soon and strong uh, in H1 or if it is progressively ramping up in the year. While skin fees, to a certain extent, are not that much decisive in that context, I must say, we are used to have that uh, as part of the evolution, and we don't anticipate, to our knowledge, that it should be anything significant in 23 versus 22, and in the previous year, right. that is not per se a contribution to the acceleration of the top line. Right. Thank you. Maybe just one follow-up. Uh, we have seen a number of payments businesses starting to benefit from from the ability to to reinvest some of the the merchant float um, and and make net net interest income is that something that Worldline expects to benefit from in, in 2023 and if so maybe you can quantify. Hi, Alistair, it's Gregory speaking. So for us, it's uh, not material at the size of Worldline. It remains an opportunity. Our priority remains to offer good settlement conditions to our merchants, uh, i.e., early settlement. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. We will now go to our next question. And the next question comes from the line of Tammy Till from Berenberg. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Thank you for taking my question. So, Jules, uh, I'm going to ask about the M&A opportunity. So historically, we we talked a lot, and you have been doing a lot of sort of you know smaller deals. Um, what about the expectation of a larger deal size at some point, or should we be expecting um, some of the banking-owned assets uh, to be in the pipeline at some point as well? Hello, Tammy. Uh, thank you for the question. Well, regarding M&A, let me restate that our priority definitely stays to build up further our distribution channel. That's number one. And number two is, as I mentioned sooner, to pursue improving our portfolio by technology-targeted acquisitions. So on the first prompt, definitely we still are very keen to pursue expanding the number of alliances with banks in particular that are still owning in Europe circa 50% of the distribution of merchant services activities. So there may be relatively sizable opportunities in terms of the power of the distribution channel in certain geographies, and this is staying for us number one priority. You mentioned larger deals. Per se, we are more interested into the size of the distribution channel than the financial magnitude of the transaction per se, we really have a very solid portfolio of products, and what we believe is the best way to leverage it is to expand the size of the distribution forward line, much more than onboarding any sizable new payment platform that would generate massive integration effort and cost for a few years' time. So that's currently our state of mind. Of course, opportunistically, there may be great opportunities coming in our direction. In that case, we will stay opportunistic regarding potential, the potential of value creation. But for what we proactively explore, clearly, is our bank partnership with a focus in Europe as previously. Of course, we are also much more active than in the past regarding technology-related acquisitions. We don't expect these to be large-scale acquisitions, but quite important anyway to pursue improving and expanding our innovation and innovative portfolio. I hope I answered. Okay, thank you. And also, we did talk about inflation quite a lot in last year. And also, recently, there have been fears about, of course, consumer spending trends coming down as well. How do you see that impacting your business as a, as a result of mixed effects? Yes, Tammy, in terms of inflation, uh, as we've uh, discussed previously, the, the, the impact on our top line is a, a mild positive, and as we've seen in the bridges that were presented in presentation, while on the bottom line, it, uh, it, uh, it squeezes us slightly, and therefore uh, we, we, we've had this focus on uh, cost and efficiency over 2022 while supporting our growth. Thank you. 
Thank you. We will now go to our next question. And the next question comes from the line of James Goodman from Barclays. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good morning. Thank you very much. Um, firstly, just on the financial services division, so um, encouraging to see the, the ING deal and, and, and to get the context there. I think back at last quarter, uh, Mark Henry, I think you talked about a number of um, triple-digit deals in the pipeline um, on the financial services side. So uh, are you happy with the, the sort of cadence of signing there? Are there, are there others which are um, you know, still close to, to completion? And how, how should we think about the, the trajectory of um, you know, financial services growth, given um, that dynamic? The first question. And secondly, just on, on margin and um, I guess the, the, the midterm, the three-year targets, we've obviously got the effect um, this year of, of the the um, TSS disposal um, slightly weighing again on the on the pro forma um, margin for, for 23, but it, for, for 22. But even um, you know on the underlying basis, we're going to be about halfway through the 400 basis points that you're planning for the for the three years by the end of this year. So, can can you help us a little bit with um, your comfort around driving that out a year bigger step up in in the profitability of the business? Thank you. So, Marcoli, you take yeah. the first one, I believe. Yeah, James. So, indeed, uh, we are we are uh, we are satisfied, even very satisfied, with the overall uh, pipe of uh, deals of FS. As you you rightly spotted, ING was one of the big deals we we had in this pipe, and uh, I think it's uh, Gilles explained it. Huh? It's a very important uh, deal in its uh, in its. Um, uh, Shape because uh, it is a multi-country card acquiring pan-European deal, which is uh, a first of a kind of its dimension of its multi-country base, and I think we we see it as a as a first step in something we start to materialize because now the, the solution we are able to offer allows this kind of deal, and uh, I must say the, the rest of the pipe is evolving positively as we speak. The only uh, small, small, uh, I would say, disappointment, it's, it's a bit slow. Uh, we would have expected, we would have loved banks to make decisions slightly faster. Uh, that being said, uh, the important part is that it is there. Huh? The pipe is, uh, is uh, continuing to progress. It's not going down, uh, even with the ING signature. So it gives us good confidence and to, to be uh, back in this mid-digit mid, uh, growth uh, for, for financial services uh, division. Thank you, Marc-Henri. And on your second question, James, uh, regarding the step-up of OMDA margin progression uh, during the execution of our 22-24 plan, I want to start by saying that we are absolutely very confident to execute this plan and to deliver at the end the circa 1.5 billion euro OMDA I mentioned sooner in my presentation. And uh, why so? Because first, as you could see through uh, the Gregory's bridge that was presented, I mean, we have a very strong underlying OMDA performance in 22. And for 23, uh, we favor remaining cautious on the OMDA progress and the guidance above 100 basis points because we know that we will have peak inflation expected again during this year that we will need to absorb. Still, some temporary negative impact of the Russian, the closure of our Russian online corridor during the first quarter in MS, and not yet the full run rate effect of our merchant services repricing strategy and the benefit at any significant scale of the financial services long-term contract price indexation that we are currently negotiated with many customers. On the contrary, in 24, we expect OMDA progress to be materially stronger than in 23, as we will benefit from the remaining ingenico synergies, from the full run rate effect of all our repricing and indexation negotiation initiatives, and the normative growth in all our business lines with accelerated operational leverage. So we feel that we are absolutely in terms of trajectory where we should be, and we are totally committed to the release. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. We will now go to the next question. And your next question comes from line of Alexandra for from BMP Pariba. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, letting me on. Um, 
I had one quick follow-up and, and another question. Um, the follow-up is, is, is on an earlier question around the net interest income. I think, Gregory, you said that the priority was on the early settlement to merchants. Uh, but still, I think at the end of 2021, you had about 1.7 billion euros of funds from intermediation activities. So should we expect that, that uh, amount to come down because you start settling in uh, early with merchants? Um, and, and my second point, uh, uh, question I had for you has to do with the merchant count, where it feels like, uh, although there was strong growth over the course of 2022 in, in H2, uh, net merchant addition slowed a little bit. Uh, I was wondering if that's just market trends or if you're also working on, on, uh, bolstering your distribution channels in some of your key countries. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. Um, on, on an interest income, uh, I'll repeat what, I, what I've mentioned, which is the fact that it's, uh, it's, it's not really significant at the scale of Wordline, and we really put the priority on differentiating ourselves with the ability to set out early to merchants versus competitors who might uh, try to, to generate the fee income on this. Um, and uh, no, the, the, the 2.5 billion that was uh, in our merchant uh, Intermediation account at the end of 2021 should go up because of the acquired scopes, but also because uh, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't change materially the profile of the group in terms of uh, of settlement patterns. So we should uh, actually increase probably uh, to the tune of uh, 4.5 billion in the accounts. You'll see uh, you'll see at the end of 2022 in a in a in a in a few days. Mark yeah, like, on, uh, on the merchant count. Um, in fact, what you saw in 2022 is a, is a, is a kind of unusual pattern. Huh? It's uh, what we had also in 2021, where uh, uh, roughly it is, uh, is two-thirds of merchant uh, increase in H1, one-third in, uh, in H2. So uh, we do not see a, a significant difference this year. Uh, important is we are still ahead of the plan. Uh, that we see that this dynamic is uh, solidly uh, showing the, the relevance of for, for platform and solution, and, and but what you rightly spotted is we continue to work and, and develop that. We continue to bring new uh, fast onboarding solutions. We will uh, leverage the soft post uh, initiative to, to have a yeah, easier to even easier to deploy solution uh, not uh, using uh, uh, the send of a payment device or the micro merchant. So we have various initiatives that are going to be rolled out towards the market, which will be uh, supporting uh, our, our merchant development. But in itself, as a pattern in 2022, has nothing uh, significantly different from the one we saw in 2021. So it's a it's rather a yearly continued uh, good momentum of merchant development and. I think it's important, I insist on that, uh, the market share gain of Warline in this moment is a real proof point for product investment. It's both true for small merchants, but also for big merchants. I, I insisted a bit uh, in my presentation on, the, on, on our merchant gains, but I think they are illustrative that pan-European merchants needing a simple solution in a competitive tender they choose Warline high-volume retailers that want to have the best and most efficient uh, economic uh, solution, mixing uh, uh, the Warline acquiring and, and, and third-party solution, if it's uh, slightly more relevant in the local market, they choose Warline because we are bringing the best combination. I think this competitivity of, of Warline is something that is growing uh, every year, and that's also something that sustains our three-year trajectory and beyond, and we, we believe firmly in it. Thank you, Mark. I would just, just maybe to add to, to your question, uh, Alex, two, two remarks. One is it's a great opportunity to remember our growth model for the mass market, which is, number one, having more merchants on file. That works perfectly well. Number two, each of these merchants, in average in Europe, transacting more every year due to the structural cashless displacement momentum. Number three, an ability to upsell some services to some of these merchants being the third engine of revenue growth. More merchants, more transactions for each merchant, upselling some products. And last, which is more a specific topic in the context of hyperinflation, a bit of repricing on this merchant base. Keep that in mind. This is the strong that will feed up future growth acceleration once we normalize 
in terms of microenvironment. Second message is this merchant account number just demonstrate that the distribution strategy of our line combining bank distribution and direct go-to-market works very well. And it's hence our focus in terms of M&A on expanding the size and number of these, in particular, bank-related distribution channels for the mass market. Hope it's clear. Well, let's move to the next question, maybe. Thank you. We will now go to the next question. And your next question comes from the line of Sandeep Deshpande from JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yeah, hi. Thanks for letting me on. Two questions, if I may. I mean, uh, you have guided to 8 to 10% margin growth uh, this year. Uh, if we saw through last year, I mean, you had very strong merchant services growth in the first three quarters of the year, which has slightly slowed by the fourth quarter. Uh, how do you see that trajectory through this year? Uh, uh, and in terms of the other non-merchant services businesses, do you expect to see growth accelerate, for instance, in financial services as the headwind associated with uh, the renegotiation of the contract passes? Hello, Sandeep. Thank you for your question. In terms of, uh, I understand, of growth profile over the year, uh, I understand uh, you, you want it. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can take it. It's a, it's a question of a bit the breakdown of the growth profile throughout the year. I think uh, um, you, in terms of merchant services, uh, if Q4 was slightly uh, slower, uh, you may remember we, we mentioned it several times on the call, huh, the Russia comparison impact, the fact that we had to stop the, the Russian corridor uh, in end of Q1 last year. That's something that will be supportive in the comparison-based effect in 2023. And overall, we have the momentum for uh, for business, uh, for products, or for solutions, which makes us confident it can remain a solid uh, double-digit evolution in, in 2023 yeah, on the MSI. That's what we are seeing. Regarding the two over uh, business line, we see them having a, a, a slightly uh, softer start at the beginning of the year, but then accelerating uh, to reach uh, their uh, overall three-year plan momentum and that will support uh, the growth versus what it was in Q4. And uh, you should uh, you should then uh, see that we have what it takes huh, to get to, uh, to what we ambition for the guidance. And one additional point is the favorable, I mean, unfavorable comparable for 2021 in Q4, where we had a very strong uh, Q4 uh, in 21 in, uh, in MS. So, so the, the fundamentals of the business are not uh, altered in our view. And one quick question for you, Gilles, uh, uh, on uh, M&A in the sector. Uh, given the new interest rate environment and given interest rates keep rising, is is this consolidation going to continue to derive the kind of value it has over the past five, six years, given the new financial reality? I genuinely believe it will be the case, Sandeep. Uh, what is striking me in the current discussion we have across Europe is that basically now even the largest banks, are, and really the largest banks that have been very keen for years to consider D2's core business, are really looking, as I mentioned sometimes on some of these calls, at their strategic options. And for us, what is really great in that context is that, uh, and I hope you will see that down the road uh, of the coming quarters or years, is that more and more banks are discussing with us not that much for the cash they can extract from this transaction. Of course, situation may vary from one country to another one, but much more for the quality of the technology and products that Fallline can bring to them so as they can secure their ability to create merchant relationships through the sales of the payment services. So what I mean by that is that uh, I believe we can bring much more into this transaction than just the balance sheet of our line. Balance sheet will still play a role, but we can bring also our technology. And very often in these transactions that uh, we are currently running or that uh, we hope to pursue running in the coming years, these are actually bilateral due diligences that we are having. We due diligence the portfolio of the banks, their distribution engines, the way they drive their sales, and the due diligence of our technology and our products. 
That is really something new. And it tells you that what Warline has built through the combination of six in Genico and as Mark Henry rightly pinpointed, is really more and more seen as a very unique value proposition in Europe, is also a very powerful compelling factor for banks to discuss with us. So it's why the way we were assessing value in the past, whatever the interest rates, is also going to uh, translate into different deal structure, I believe, with banks, where fundamentally we are after the business value we can generate together versus just a pile of cash. Thank you so much. Extremely encouraging for strategy execution. Thank you. Thank you. And let's move for, for the, maybe the last question, given that time is really running and we are at the end of this hour. Please, operator. Thank you. I will now take your last question. And the question comes from the line of Dipshika Agwa from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my question. The questions are a bit of a follow-up versus like whatever was discussed. So first of all, I think uh, you you talked about the uh, pipeline for the outsourcing deals to the banks, like especially in the finance uh, financial service for the financial services division. So can we get any color in terms of what kind of upside in terms of growth are you seeing from the ING deal maybe in 2023 and beyond? So that's one thing. And just just this is more housekeeping just uh, to uh, like understand it better. So like you know the medium term margin uh, like guidance is around 400 bits. So should we still assume that pro forma margin of FY21 as the starting point, 24.8%, uh, or should we like you know? Uh, it, just trying to understand, given there, there was again, uh, you know, a, a, a change in the performa in when it comes to for 2023 when we look at it. So that's that. And the second, the second, uh, the third one is basically on M&A expectation. So just wanted to understand how are you looking at acquisitions more in terms of larger and mid-size deals, and also like uh, now, uh, like are banks more willing to engage uh, like when it comes to these partnerships, especially like post-COVID. Yeah, sure. So I will take the third one, and probably Mark Henry will answer on the ING uh, deal that we mentioned, and Greg, I think we covered the last one. Well, just uh, making it short, indeed, we see a, a, a real momentum in terms of bank discussions. Primarily, I would say medium-sized transactions rather than very large ones uh, at this point in time, I think in relative terms to what Warman has made in the past, so that would be my straight answer, a lot of activity, rather medium-sized transactions. Regarding the ING uh, transaction, Mark Henry? Yeah, on the ING transaction, it's important to in mind it's a long-term contract. Uh, it's in the range of 10 years uh, with a dimension of renewal and a dimension of scope expansion, a multi-country expansion. So uh, it's fair to say that uh, for the year 2023, the effect is not very significant. It will be uh, rather spread and, and come uh, in, in its full dimension uh, in, uh, in 2025. So it's a uh, it's, uh, 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 longer-term impact, but that, that being said, uh, it's, uh, it's a very strong momentum for our business, and, and again, based on the rest of our activity and based on what I, uh, I uh, just shared with you, uh, we see it back in the mid-single-digit growth throughout uh, uh, this year. Okay. So with regards to the, yeah, go ahead. No, so basically on the margins, uh, that is the last one. Yeah, on, on the margins, uh, we have not recomputed a 2021 performer. Uh, what we're looking at in terms of medium-term guidance is the circa 400 basis point um, committed at the at the at the CMV in 2021, and uh, the first year is 110 bits improvement. We intend to deliver more than 100 bits this year and uh, therefore the rest for, for, for 2024. Uh, with regards to the pro forma, what we are, um, what I've explained earlier is the fact that the 2022 pro forma stands at 25.4% for 2022, which is the new baseline for the 23 progression. Okay, okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone, for having been with us on this call. We are really looking forward the nearest opportunity to interact with you in roadshows or through uh, bilateral calls. 
in between. I wish you a very nice day. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.